Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, a weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to episode number 173. And this week, we are absolutely thrilled to have uh, the two-time Olympian, uh, college All-American, distinguished WNBA uh, player, great career, uh, and the current head coach at Old Dominion University, Delisha Milton-Jones, on the podcast this week. Coach, I'm so excited to have you on. We've been circling each other for the last couple of months here, and, and I'm so happy that we finally are able to kind of get everything coordinated and, and, and put something out here so folks can hear us talk. Yes, I'm super excited about us finally connecting um, and getting this podcast underway. I'm, uh, it's, I've been wait, anxiously awaiting this moment because I love talking basketball, and I love talking basketball even more with people that love talking basketball. Well, I, I hope that I qualify for the the latter on that. So uh, we're going to jump into it here with Coach Milton Jones. Uh, before we get going here, uh, we, of course, want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, located at 144th and Maple here in Omaha. Coaches, if you or any of your athletes are struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Hev- Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at COSAC Chiropractic. Not not Dr. Heaven, uh, Kevin. I'm sorry I'm sorry about that. Uh, if you uh, want to check out their practice, go to COSACchiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on a Twitter handle, so be sure to follow us there. If you're listening, you're on iTunes, which means you should like this podcast. You sub- should subscribe to this podcast. You should give us five stars so that when anybody looks up Coaching Basketball Podcast, a pen and a napkin jumps up there very, very quickly. It is greatly, greatly appreciated if you would do so. Any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, of course, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail. Dot com. Delisha Milton-Jones, uh, one of the, the all-time greats in WNBA history. So many great things about your career as a player. And, and Coach, like I told you before we started recording, uh, obviously your, your career as a player is going to jump into a, a little bit of what we're going to talk about here tonight. But I really want to focus on your, your coaching career and, and those type of things. And so, um, but I guess the, the the lead question I want to open with you is, and, and if and folks, uh, you know, I'm not going to have Coach go through her biography. Uh, if you want to, if, you, if you, there's more than enough stuff out there to know about you, you're famous enough. You've got your own Wikipedia page, Coach. You're you're good to go here. So, uh, so if, if folks want to check that out, they could go there. But uh, uh, I, I wanted to start with this. You, you had such a distinguished career as a player, uh, high school, college, professional, uh, so forth and so on. And then uh, pretty quickly after your coaching career, or I'm sorry, after your playing career was over, you uh, jumped into the coaching aspect of things. And sometimes when you have uh, players who have had a really distinguished career, long career, uh, reaching the heights that you did as an individual player, sometimes it's hard for those type of players to become really, really good coaches. But you have you have bridged that gap tremendously. Uh, but what were some of the adjustments that you had to make going from your playing career to pretty quickly jumping into the to the coaching aspect of it? Um, well, number one, uh, thank you 
thank you for um, the introduction and thank you for sparing us the bio because I know it's a it's a colorful read but it's a long one um, and it kind of tells my age but outside of that um, I think one of the major adjust adjustments that I had to make is um, I remember distinctly um, saying to myself after, you know, because I give a, a tough assessment and evaluation of myself and everything that I do. Mm-hmm. And the first year of my coaching stint, um, you know, meditating one day and, and praying and asking God, you know, to show me uh, where my flaws are so that I can become better. And he said to me, you have to learn how to explain yourself rather than express yourself. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the, the two words, similar but different yep. in its context, and expressing myself means that I was demonstrative, demonstrative, there's probably a lot of emotion, and I probably displayed myself the same way that I did as a player, mm-hmm. showcasing everything that I felt through my actions. But as a coach, when you look at some of the game's brightest and best and tenured, mm-hmm. they have a poise about them. Um, and they're not as demonstrative and they use that demonstrativeness in certain situations to make the results come in their favor, mm-hmm. whether it's with their players or with the officials to mm-hmm. affect the game in that way. So I learned how to talk to my players through explanation, mm-hmm. explain to them what I'm thinking rather than allowing what I feel to come out first. Mm-hmm. through my actions so that was probably the number one lesson i learned for myself um but for me to be the player that i was um some consider a star however you want a, a high marquee type player going to coach yes yeah, tough because a lot of times players can't separate themselves and the ego from the individual they were as a player to the humble um, behind the scenes, you're not at the forefront. It's not about you type individual that you have to become when you're a coach. Mm-hmm. As a star player, usually the team is centered around you. Mm-hmm. Everybody's working to get you the ball. Everybody's moving to create space for you. Um, and as a coach, you are the face, but everything that you do is for your team. Mm-hmm. The mindset has to change and it's difficult for some individuals because they're used to things being catered to towards them. Mm-hmm. And when you come into coaching, if you have that mindset and you're looking at the team uh, for what it can do for you, mistake. If you're looking at the game um, for what it can do for you, even larger mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there has to be a level of humility and self-realization that Baby, your days are over, and it's about the players and what you give to them unselfishly um, rather than what they can give to you selfishly. Uh, When you can get that translated in your vernacular, in in the way that you live and and the way that you do your job, then success will favor you. Mm -hmm. Is that something you took, and I'm sure, Delisha, you had 
I don't know how many coaches you played for throughout your entire career, but I'm sure it was a lot between all the different franchises and, and, and so forth and so on, both domestically and internationally that you played for. Were, were those the, 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 the coaches that showed humility, were those the ones that you felt like brought the best out of you? Most definitely. And I feel that it was that way because they were able to relate to me and connect with me. It's almost like um, that, that, that cliche you hear when you can't sit at the top of the mountain and tell everybody, Hey, it's up here. Mm-hmm. Turn left at the, at the twig, turn right at that old tree. No, it's about you coming down, meeting them where they're at to go and show them the way. Mm-hmm. And I had very humble coaches that were willing to meet me where I was, uh, whatever that moment was mentally, emotionally, or physically in my career and in my game, they met me there and that allowed them to have a tremendous impact on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got your coaching career started in very unique circumstances. Um, you were the, uh, for those that don't know, uh, you were the second female, I believe, to coach a, a men's professional team, the, the L.A. Uh, Stars. And, and so yeah. you, here, here you are, uh, again, very accomplished individual as a player uh which you know i'm sure that brought uh, a tremendous amount of credibility but you are a a woman coaching men it's not a, i mean i'm a man that is coaching girls and women uh but mm-hmm. the, the role was completely reversed and like i said you were you were a, a groundbreaking individual only the second woman to do so what was that experience like for you it was uh, i was ahead of my time you know, with that opportunity being presented to me, I didn't even know the magnitude of it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it probably should be discussed in more conversations because now looking back on it, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I looked at it as me going and being a supportive girlfriend uh, <laughs> um, for my for my now husband. Uh-huh. I was going to support him, watching him play. And that turned into um, me going to practices, um, me hanging out with those guys when they're playing pickup and sometimes playing pickup with them. And it turned into them needing a coach. And Burrow Lee, uh, who was the general manager of that team at the time, he was very uh, ahead in his time and mm-hmm. his thinking and, and crazy enough to do bold things uh, to where he said, Delisha, why don't you step in and be my, um, be my interim head coach? And I don't know what got over, what came over me, but I said, okay. Yeah. (laughs) And I think I said, okay, was because I was so comfortable around that group of young men. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were friends. They they were my husband's friends and they were my friends because of that. And those were the guys that I hooped with. So I think they had a respect for me off the rip Mm -hmm. um, because they came to the games and watched me play and they supported in the WNBA. They were going to respect me off the strength of the athlete that I was, and I spoke their language, and I played the game well uh, for them to see me as elite. And um, and I think the way that I communicated and the person that I was allowed for them to um, handle me with the care and the respect that I deserve to be handled with in those under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's just a matter of time before we see this at the at the NBA level? I think it is, and I think it's long overdue because we have some tremendously bright, talented 
women in the sporting world that will probably go and send shockwaves through um, any and every type of game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you see them on the sidelines doing what they do best, mm-hmm. coaching the sport, forget the gender, yep. let them coach the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get done with your playing career. And, and, and if I, if I group, uh, if I goof up the timeline here, Delisha, just correct me, feel free. Uh, but, uh, got done playing. You were a year at Pepperdine as an assistant coach. And then there's an opening and, and with just that one year as a, as an official full-time coach, you step into the head coaching position there at Pepperdine. Um, did you, did you, Obviously, you felt like you're ready because you took the job. But uh, what kind of what kind of feelings did you have stepping in there after uh, you know playing for so long, but only being on that sideline for just the one year before you took over as the head person there with the waves? Look, I'm confident, but I'm not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I I was confident enough to to believe in myself and bet on myself, but I was not crazy enough to think that. I was ready. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Someone had to tell me. One of my mentors, um, Don Staley, and even Carol Callen mm-hmm. from USA Basketball. Uh, she, they both said to me, "You're more ready than you realize." Mm-hmm. And I never knew how true that statement was until I stepped on those sidelines and I coached in my first closed scrimmage game against a veteran coach. And we ended up beating them in the closed scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And it's like the first time I called a timeout. And, well, not the timeout, you know, the, the after the jump ball. Uh-huh. I called the first play. We went, we went out, did the jump ball, and it was on. It's almost like you could tell two worlds combined. Mm-hmm. And it was, and it was, it was so comforting and it felt right. Mm-hmm. And it felt good, and I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. I didn't know that my life was missing this, mm-hmm. and it all just came together. Mm-hmm. So um, I was more ready than I realized, but I knew that um, I still needed to take my time and have a certain rhythm and poise and posture as I went through it. Don't rush through it. Mm-hmm. You know, treat it the same way that I did when I was a player. Take your time, get the reps in, be very um, um, diligent about the approach and study um, and show yourself proved so that when the lights come on, you're ready for whatever mm-hmm. your opponent will throw at you. Yeah. So I took that same mindset into coaching as well. So you won that first scrimmage? Yes, yeah. won that first scrimmage, and I was hooked. Uh, I was I, like, I felt, I felt like Gino Ariama. It's like, <laughs> hey, I'm undefeated in this yeah. thing. Let's go. I would have quit. <laughs> I mean, just one to know. I'm out. I'm done. You know. <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I got the itch. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know. Uh, <laughs> So you, you were you were at Pepperdine for for two years, and and it's mm-hmm. and it's really rare for uh, a head coach, especially at the Division One level, to and 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 I'm going to use air quotes here, coach. So so please forgive me, but yeah. to 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 take a step back, so to speak, and to leave the yeah. head coaching position to go be an assistant coach, um, and you chose to do that. You you left uh, a good situation at Pepperdine 
to go to, and again, it was it was a move where you were going to a Power Five, quote unquote, school at Syracuse there in the ACC. Right. Um, but you know, what kind of what were you looking at there? What was, if you don't mind me asking here, what what was kind of some of the part of the decision making process to to leave the head coaching position to be an assistant coach for somebody else? So okay, <laughs> um, when when that opportunity came about. I will tell you this, it wasn't an easy one. And uh-huh. it, and I think it became difficult because of two reasons. Number one, I'm the type of individual when I'm in something, I like to nestle in and get nice and comfy yep. and be in it for the long haul. I, I, I am just that type of creature. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made it difficult because I came, I became comfortable at Pepperdine mm-hmm. and we were having good success. And I wanted to see that program I wanted to turn it around. I wanted us to win the WCC mm-hmm. and I wanted to be there until that happened. I am a finisher, that yep. type of individual that made it difficult. Then the other thing that made it difficult was when I allowed the opinions of others to come in and infiltrate my logic, um, my heart space and just brought in confusion and had me conflicted. Okay. So, listening to everyone else they're like you be crazy you know how hard it is to get uh, a head coaching position and you're a former player and you're a black woman you'd be crazy don't do that you will hurt the culture these jobs are too hard for us to come by i heard it all Mm -hmm. i heard it all there were people that were were angry that I would even consider it Mm -hmm. so I tossed and turned and I toiled with it and literally it got to the point where one night my husband and I we we had an argument over it (laughs) and you know he's the he's the one that's like don't get comfortable you know because you know there's more out there for you and I'm like no this is just fine I'm fine with just enough I can make this work Mm -hmm. and he's like no babe don't sell yourself short He's always been that good angel on my shoulder mm-hmm. saying, no, nope, keep going. Tell, you telling it. you what you keep need going. to hear rather than what you want to hear type of a thing. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. So um had an argument with him because he was like, I just don't understand why you don't see it. You've trusted me all these years. Why won't you trust me now? And I'm just like, I'm not ready for that. I just got this. I believe in these people. They trusted me with this job. I'm going to stick it out. And he was like, it can be career suicide. You have you've never been the type to settle. Uh-huh. So don't get into this business trying to settle now. And so um, I went and slept on the couch that night. I'm just telling all the personal <laughs> business. I was so upset. I went and slept on the couch. <laughs> Thank God we have a comfy couch. But I went and slept on. <laughs> and I tossed and turned that night. And I was just so stressed out. And then out of nowhere, it's almost like I had this moment of clarity and, a, and mm-hmm. peace came over me in the wee hours of the night. And I woke up and there was this complete calm. And I heard an inner voice say, it's time. Mm-hmm. So I got up and walked into the bedroom and, you know, I, I called my husband and I said, are you up? And he was like, I am now. What's going on? And I said, I have my answer. And he said, what is it? And I said, it's time. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's time. And so made the decision to do that. And um, now I've been fast-tracked right into another head coaching position. Yeah. What were some of the positives that came out of that experience at Syracuse, you know, being an assistant coach for, for a year and learning from somebody else? Um, I think the positives were I, I 
showed myself that I can recruit on that level. Okay. Um, we had the number four recruiting class in the country. Uh, Angel, um, my players that I was sitting on were Priscilla Williams, Angel Reese, now at LSU, mm-hmm. uh, Camilla Cardoso, now at um, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yep. Yeah, so I had some, some heavy hitters on my list. Mm-hmm. And I was able to sign two out of those three. And it came down to Syracuse and Maryland for Angel Reese. And she ended up going to Maryland and now moved on to LSU. But um, it was that. Mm-hmm. That experience, networking on that level, uh, collecting a contact list that is out of this world uh, for all the premier AAU programs, high school programs, getting to know those coaches and those players. And um being at Syracuse and seeing how the other side lives, seeing how the other side talks and how that whole monster moves uh, on the Power Five level and understanding um, the level of pride that that university has for its team and its players, past and present. Mm -hmm. Uh, Seeing all of that, I took a lot of great notes. Um, I watched through my office window because it overlooked the practice courts. I watched closely at Bayheim. Uh, putting in his zone defenses every single day, um, watching it from start to finish, and, and you know, being able to be under the tutelage of of Quentin Hillsman and his version of the zone, mm-hmm. having all of that in my back pocket um, is 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 are things that I will never ever take for granted nor regret. Mm-hmm. A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Obviously, not only not only with your uh, WNBA career, uh, coach, but you played a lot of uh, a lot of different places internationally. You know, Spain, Italy, Turkey, uh, South Korea, all you know, all over the globe. Uh, your, your passport uh, has to be pretty impressive. I'm going to tell you that right now. So, uh, <laughs> what uh, you know through those international experiences, and obviously in the Olympics and things like that. Uh, what are some things that we, uh, as Americans can, should be taking from the international game to help make the American game better? Oh, I love this question. Oh, thank you very Um, much. I I, I think, uh, some of the things that one of the main things that we need to take from the European style of the game is on the grassroots level, actually teach the game. Mm-hmm. Not just the aspect of what one person can do with the ball, but the responsibility of everyone on the court and how they can affect the end result of the ball going through the basket. Mm-hmm. And um, teaching it in a way where you see the beauty of the sport from start to finish of a play. Mm-hmm. The ball movement, the body movement, movement coupled with it, the spacing, the timing, you know, Europeans have a flair for this because they learn this from a very young age. On top of the importance of being able to have a complete skill set. They may not be the most athletic, 
but my goodness, high IQ, mm-hmm. and they understand the game, and they have complete skill set. They can shoot, they can dribble, um, they can make decisions. Mm-hmm. What, that that's that's the game. Yeah, yeah. What what are things that we can do in America to make that part of it better? Because we're we're so ingrained in a lot of our structure with what we do with it, uh, whether it's, you know, the, you know, for example, the AAU of, you know, five games to every practice or whatever the heck it is, you know, uh, and, and I'm probably, I don't know if I'm exaggerating. I was going to say I'm probably exaggerating, but I might not be exaggerating with that. Uh, you know, wrong. you know, uh, the, the high school, uh, the, the high school model that, that, that you and I went through when, when we played and, and so forth and so on. Is there anything to the structure of the American game and, and to, to, to help teach that better, like you were saying, they they, they teach it at a uh, at such a young age in in Europe and, and around the world. Uh, do we need to make changes to our ingrained system here in the states? Yes, I think the, yes, 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 and yes, and yes, in so, perpetuity, yes, yes, to all of. So that. you're saying yes, <laughs> yeah. I'm saying yes uh, to um, the fact that something needs to change within the American system that we have where we need to mirror what they do within uh, the European ranks. They start at a very young age, and um, uh, they have great coaches, and, 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 they, and the parents and the coaches see that thing through. You don't see a lot of European kids uh, going from one academy to the next. Oh, they are point. with a program from, from bitty ball on down to when they graduate out of college. You know, and unless their family moves, and, and that's rare. So to to stick with something that long, that means that you're going to get everything out of that opportunity that you possibly can. You're optimizing the, that time. Mm-hmm. Um, in America, everything's so fast paced. You with this trainer today, that trainer tomorrow. You change four high schools four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you change colleges uh, three times. There's no type of consistency when it comes to uh, players staying somewhere and seeing something through, coaches staying somewhere and seeing something through. How can you ever gain anything out of a situation when you don't stick to it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so being able to to go through uh, the, the trials and tribulations at an early age of losing and knowing how to do it gracefully, winning and knowing how to do it gracefully, going through the monotony monotony of, of training, doing the same drill, uh, three-man weave, five-man yep. weave, mm-hmm. Olympic shooting, and doing it to perfection and understanding why you're doing it and how it mimics the game and building the building blocks like that. These are the things that we need to do and stop putting so much of an emphasis on the individual talent and and how the game, what the game can do for you, rather than putting more emphasis on the team aspect, teaching it in its totality like that. And now you're looking at it um, from the aspect of what can I do to help the game? Mm-hmm. You know, building on that, um, obviously, you know, had to be probably, if not one of the high, if not the highest honor, one of the highest honors of your career was uh, playing the Olympics, two-time Olympic gold medal winner, uh, 
Probably would have been three if, if it weren't for an injury in 2004. Sorry to pick at that scab, Delisha. Uh, but oh, okay. uh, <laughs> but I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, Olympic experiences. And uh, you, you played in Athens in 2000, Beijing in 2008. And, and not only that, um, had the opportunity uh, last year to talk to Lynn Dunn, uh, who's with the Indiana Fever now. And, and, and she was with the Olympic team. I believe it was 92 with the, with the dream team over in Barcelona. And, and she kind of Mm -hmm. talked about some of her Olympic experiences. So not only is it your Olympic team, but you're also spending time with the men's team as well and that type of of stuff. So, uh, just want to talk to you a little bit about kind of the coaching aspect. And again, some of the things that you learn through the Olympic experience, because, because I mean, you're, you're bringing enough egos together with, with any team. Um, and then you get into like your college team and then you get into your professional team. But now we're talking Olympic team. You're talking the, the 12 best players in theory in the entire country in our, in our case, the United States. So, you know, what were some things I know sometimes even us at the high school level struggle with bringing teams together, trying to, and when I say bringing teams together, I'm talking about, uh, the personalities, uh, the egos involved, so forth and so on. You know, what were some things that you saw in your international experiences and, and your, for playing for team USA, uh, to, to, bring these strong-willed, strong-minded, outstanding players together and having everybody fill in a role on those teams so that the team could be successful? Well, um, what's funny is my whole USA basketball experience has come full circle. It's the the very uh, very, – organization that I played for and represented my country for is the is the very um organization that I now have an opportunity to be behind the scenes and be on committees and be a court coach and be a an assistant coach I understand the inner workings of everything Mm -hmm. so I will open up my statement by saying it starts at the top Mm -hmm. you have to have uh, a great leader to lead a, a great group of women. That's number one. Number two, one of the first conversations that we have um, on any of those Olympic teams, no matter the level, is it is not about you. Mm-hmm. It's about our country. Mm-hmm. One country, one team, one goal. That's it. That is the motto. And it's gold medal or bust. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when you know that the stakes are that high and you have the world trying to beat you mm-hmm. and knock you off of the pedestal of being number one, then you know there's no space for you to make this about you. Mm-hmm. Do what's best for the moment and for the team. And when everyone has that collective mindset, everyone knows that egos are out, team is in. And it's a crash course for us because individually, when you look at Cheryl Swoops, uh, Lisa Leslie, Natalie Williams, Yolanda Griffith, you know, these are, these are Dawn Staley, Nikki McCray, Teresa Witherspoon. These are the people that I was on an Olympic team with. So can you imagine if I came in as a snotty-nosed rookie <laughs> wanting the ball and wanting my touches? <laughs> on top of Lisa wanting her ball, mm-hmm. wanting the ball and her touches because mm-hmm. she has this marketing deal or whatever TV deal that she may have going on, it would have been catastrophic. Sure. So everyone 
had that sense of togetherness. Sure. And no one wanted to go home with a silver medal Mm -hmm. or even a bronze. Mm -hmm. We wanted the gold. So we knew we had to set all of that to the side and put USA, our country, at the forefront and understand clearly we're fighting for that. And we had a crash course lesson in taking our individual individual talents and turning it to, into collective play mm-hmm. by moving the ball and moving bodies and allowing the ball to find the open player unless the coach sees a matchup that we desperately need to get the ball in this person's hand at this position in this moment of the game to make something happen for the good for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do a little rapid fire with you here. So you got like... 20 to 30 seconds to, to answer these, these following questions here. All right, coach. Okay. Um, okay. You know, from, you got to play for a lot of really good Olympic coaches. I'm going to go down four of them here that, that a lot of people are going to be really familiar with. I just, in, 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 in 15 to 30 seconds, what did you take from this coach that has helped you in your coaching career? Are you ready? Yes. All right. Nell Fortner. Nell Fortner, she just has a pure joy for life and for what she does. She seems like she appreciates just being alive. And she, her favorite saying was, if you're going to be somewhere, be all there. So that meant be omnipresent, be in the moment. Don't get distracted by the outside things. Give all of yourself in this and, um, and you will find joy. Okay, I lied because I have to write that quote down because that's a really good quote. So hold on just a second. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I lied, Delisha. I apologize. So, You're all right, good. all right, there yeah, we go. We all have little liars in us. <laughs> <laughs> just don't tell my wife. All right, um, all right. Uh, next one, Gino Ariema. Gino Ariema, my goodness. When you think of when I remember my time with him, uh, big time posture and confidence. Uh, smart. Um, if you're going to do it, do it the right way and do it at an elite level every single time that you have the opportunity to do it. Okay. Gail Ghost, Go- uh, I'm sorry, Gostin Course. Uh, reminds me uh, of Nell Fortner and Gino Oriyama, a combination of the two. Smart, witty, um, has a very uh, uncanny way of making someone feel at ease, even though the environment may be competitive and intense. Mm-hmm. And Don Staley. Don Staley. Wow. The queen of all queens. <laughs> that's my sister. That's my friend. And it's a, and I think what I take from her is her favorite thing to say was, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's all I heard. <laughs> my entire time with USA basketball. Uh-uh, D. Uh-uh. Give me here. Uh-uh. Pass it. Uh-uh. <laughs> but uh, Dawn is uh, is the epitome of full circle. Seeing her go through USA basketball system only to become a head coach and win a goal as a coach and as a player, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is absolutely amazing. So um, let's talk Old Dominion here a little bit. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, Old Dominion, uh, you know, young people um, don't realize w- – the, the tradition of women's basketball at Old Dominion. And we, and we don't use the O word on a pen and a napkin, uh, Delisha. We use the word experienced or seasoned. Yes. Uh, I like that. Seasoned people like you and I, experienced people like you and I, uh, know the the tradition of and the importance of Old Dominion University in the, in the history of the women's game. 
uh, you know, so, you know, how are you, what are ways that you're using the tradition of Old Dominion, uh, Tisha Penichero, uh, Nancy Lieberman, Ann Donovan, those type of names that are absolute legends in the game. How are you, how are, what are the steps that you're using the tradition of Old Dominion to help bring that program uh, back to the level that it once was at? The, the, the steps that I'm taking is, number one, to never let those legends die. Mm-hmm. Their, their names should always be fresh on our minds and fresh on our lips. Uh, I'm always in constant conversation with my players, bringing up those seasoned legends of the past. I also encourage those legends to come back home mm-hmm. and allow the players to see them as a tangible object, something they can touch. And, and listen to and, and see face-to-face rather than looking at a video or having a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. It's something powerful when you can feel that energy of Nancy Lieberman, Tisha Pinachero, uh, uh, Ham Chumaiga Bai, uh, Marie Andrade, when they can come back and speak to your team and look them in the eye and sit down on the floor with them, ask answer their questions, ask questions, but then also let them know why they chose ODU, the pride behind that, and the players can see the sisterhood that they have even to this day. Those are the steps that I've taken that have allowed me to um, find success within this program rapidly. Mm -hmm. I'm calling on the ancestors. (laughs) I'm using the seasoning, whether it's salt, pepper, or Lowry seasoning (laughs) salt, to season these young players tenderize them a little bit <laughs> hey it is grilling season even in nebraska we it can start is. we can start grilling again so that's 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 a good thing so um you know one of the things that you've done here both at pepperdine and, and old dominion uh was between you know you laid some a good found you know a foundation in year one but in both places you had a pretty big jump from year one to year two when it came to to wins and losses uh what do you think were you know, some keys to that. Why, why were you able to take, uh, some places that were kind of struggling, uh, that, that year one and make that jump in, in year two, what were some keys to that? Well, I would have to pay homage to, uh, my leaders, Dr. Stephen Potts. And then you have Dr. Uh, Wood Selig, um, being able to have bosses, <laughs> ADs mm-hmm. that are visionaries and that are will- willing to be bold. And, um, also, appreciate success um them believing in me and giving me that opportunity that ignited something in me to where i didn't want to fail them Mm -hmm. and uh going into those situations i walked into it where players for whatever reason had fallen out of love with either working on their craft or and or working uh falling in and out falling out of love with the game Mm -hmm. so I came in and I wanted to inject them with love and appreciation for what they do. I coached through confidence. And at the end of the day, they always end up falling back in love with the game because I try to coach it and teach it in a beautiful way because I think the game is just gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And And if you display it and explain it and express it in the right ways, how can someone not love what we do? Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching, and during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, Strip the house down to the studs. 
I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. All right, Coach, at this time, we're going we're gonna to change gears here. Uh, we're going to jump into some of your basketball philosophy and, and some of the stuff that you do. Before we do that, though, each week we have, uh, when we do this transition, uh, we have the John Wooden quote of the day. And so what we do or what I do is, is I pick out a, a passage or a quote from uh, Coach Wooden's book, a, a Lifetime of Observations, and I read it to my guest and I allow them to kind of give their interpretation of Coach Wooden's uh, teachings and writings here. And, and uh, so uh, I'd like to do that right now. You ready for it here, Delisha? Yes. All right. Here we go. Uh, From Wooden, A Lifetime of Observations, uh, from page 115, the John Wooden quote of the day is, Fairness is giving all people the treatment they earn and deserve. It doesn't mean treating everyone alike. That's unfair because everyone doesn't earn the same treatment. I love it. What, um, how that translates to me um, is something that I always say to my players. We all are eating off of the same pie. Mm-hmm. It's just that everyone's not going to get the same size slice. Mm-hmm. And uh, that goes along the lines of to whom much is given, much is expected. That's biblical. Mm-hmm. And what that means is if you have a lot of responsibility handed to you, then there's going to be a lot of expectations behind that. So if you are getting the minutes, then there must be production with it. Um, And my expectations of you um, and your impact on the game has to match that. Mm -hmm. If you aren't getting the minutes, don't sit on the bench complaining. Do something about it with the minutes that you get. Mm -hmm. Make it hard for me not to have you on the court. Exactly. Rather than sitting there complaining about why I'm not putting you in, you have practice to show me, and you also have your opportunities in the game to show me. Mm-hmm. But practice is so important. Yep. Oh, yeah. You, you win the game before the ball is even tossed up. Mm-hmm. So you show the coaches whether what they are predicting will work will work on the offensive or the defensive end. But if you kind of go through the motions as a player, then you're ruining – you're ruining that moment for the coach and you're also ruining it for yourself because I can't trust that you will be who I need you to be in that very important moment in the game. Mm-hmm. I always, I always tell my players coach uh, the, the quote I use is put me in a situation where I can't take you off the floor. And that doesn't mean you have to score, but put me in a situation where you're doing so much out there. It's just like, yeah, gal, Mary, I, I, 
I can't so I got to call a timeout to give you a rest rather than taking you out of the game and then and and that's the, that's kind of the same verbiage that, that that I use with my kids as well is is and you can affect the game in so so many different ways uh, that you know make it happen go out there and make it happen and um, yeah I'm you kind of like what you guys are going into we're, we're starting our summer stuff and you know we sit down with all our returning players and here's where you're at, you know, here's kind of where we see you coming into the summer, but you've got six months to change where you're at on that ladder. So if you really want to change that, you got to make it happen. And, and here's your opportunity and you're going to have a bunch of opportunities to do so. Let's get out and get it done. And, and, and that's kind of the way we've handled that in ours. And I like the way that you're attacking that as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Um, Let's get into uh, one of the things that you said you wanted to talk about here tonight was uh, helping out with player development and, and, and working with players, making them into better players, player development, increasing their fundamentals and, and skill level and that type of thing. So uh, Coach Milton Jones, at this point, I'm just going to kind of turn this topic over to you and I'm just going to let you cook here on a pen and a napkin. And if I've got a question, I'll try to politely interrupt you uh, along the way here. But but give us an idea of your player development plan, what you do with your with your kids uh, to make them better players. What are some of the things that you emphasize? How do you emphasize it? So forth and so on. And 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 the floor is yours, Coach. And, and like I said, if I've got a question, I'll, I'll try to politely interrupt you as we move through it. Okay. So in the the. The, the madness of my mind, um, one of my favorite pastimes is thinking. I love to think and um, create problems and solve problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also love to analyze and um, critique. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the Virgo in me. But um, before I start anything, I have to make sure I have a complete understanding of the, the mental psyche of my players, the physical uh, fitness of my players, their overall health before I start anything. And everything is based off of that foundation so that when we start, we can move uh, with assured, with, with assured steps. Mm-hmm. We can go confidently. Um, there's nothing wrong with the basics. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with it at all. And we do basic things every single day, and we're trying to perfect that. We are not um, a type of program. I am not about gadgets. I am about ball, you, and a basketball, and Mm -hmm. and the rim. Mm -hmm. And we go from the ground up. Um, Something as simple as stationary dribbling. Even the elite do it. If Mm -hmm. you watch Steph Curry, if he can make hundreds of millions of dollars based off of what he does, when you watch his warm-up, everything is basic. It's not a lot of and-one mixtape, crazy movements. He has good balance. His feet are always up under him. Eyes are up, and he's in a great athletic stance. I try to um, put my players in positions when we're in skill development where we are maximizing the basic movements, the movements that you're going to do 100 trillion times within a game without you even noticing it. Mm -hmm. How can we sit in this position comfortably for six minutes straight just dribbling a ball in one spot without contorting your hips and your body uh to force the ball through you control the ball through so we do things like that when it comes when we start with our skill development it's always with ball handling some type of passing slapping the ball where you can become one with the ball in your hands 
you know, bringing it together as hard as you can, making that thunderous clap uh, or that thud sound that you will hear. Uh, getting that type of relationship, your energy with the ball's energy, connecting all of that, having a feel in a heightening all of your senses. Um, we are constantly repeating about where are your eyes. Eyes should always be up. Too many coaches allow their players to cut corners or you can't fault coaches for what they don't know and the experiences that they did not have. Sure. Um, so when you play the game at a high level and been gifted with the ability to sit in the gym and watch Kobe Bryant rep out the same move for two hours, um, you can understand why he's as great as, as he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so coaches some sometimes are very one dimensional and they can't multitask and they think, Oh, we're going to, I'm going to work on the hand placement of her, of her hand on the ball while she's dribbling. Well, while you're concentrating on that, you don't see that she's actually looking at the ball while she's doing all that. Mm-hmm. So we try to uh, put several teachable elements into, into one package and wrap it up nicely. Um, and we try to, talk to the players i'm not the type that's going to stand from a distance and scream and yell at the top of my uh, top of my lungs or sit back with my arms crossed and just watch i'm going to come stand beside you whisper in your ear be that voice in your head that the same way it's going to sound to you when you're talking to yourself when you go inwardly to remind yourself of something or whatever it may be i'm doing that all of these things matter um as the player is repping out in something, you should rep out in how you communicate. Good job. Keep your eyes up. That's it. What do you see? Talk to me. What's going on around you? Okay, you feel me over here? Watch your balance. Watch your fingers. Spread your fingers. Whatever it may be, give that type of um, – your voice even, even has to have a rhythm to it. There's a time and a place for you to increase the octaves, but then there's also a large amount of time for you to just talk mm-hmm. and be one with your player so they can relax and be comfortable and understand what their body is supposed to and supposed to not feel like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a time to be tense. There's a time to be relaxed. There's mm-hmm. a time to be both in the same instance. Uh, you know, um, so it's reinforcing all of those small basic things. Now, when we're when we're going into movement patterns, everything is about balance. There's nothing worse than seeing an athletic player with bad balance, um, never having their feet up under them, setting themselves up for injuries. We always try to have a proactive approach to everything that we do. We want to be preventative in mistakes, preventative in injuries, and you prevent mistakes by making sure that your foundation is good. Mm-hmm. You pre- you prevent um, injuries by making sure your foundation is good. So the same movements and, and posture and stances you'll see us take on the basketball court, we're going to do those same things in the weight room. Um, when we get to the movement portion of it, it's all about footwork. Okay. Got to have the feet placed correctly. Got to have, gotta have them up under the hips got to maximize force, got to maximize uh, your your jumping abilities, uh, keeping everything linearly and and tight uh, within your game so you can have more control. If you take out the kinks, you have more control. When you have too many kinks in your game, it's too many areas to correct. How do you know what really is the issue? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you can really be efficient in all of these things and you're constantly 
reminding them through how you're communicating with them, how you touch them, how you manipulate their bodies, how you always have their eyes on whatever the target is up and seeing everything. All of that can breed success. Um, now, what my guards do, my bigs do. Okay. Uh, because this this is the European flair that I'm bringing into how we develop our players. There's going to come a moment where your big girl is going to get the rebound and everyone's denied. And baby girl is going to have to dribble that ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. have you set her up for success? Is that going to be her first time in that environment? For us, it won't be because bigs do ball handling just as much as guards do posting and utilizing their footwork when they get in the paint. And the same balance that we need our guards to have and having their eyes up and and poised when they're handling the ball, facing the basket, we want our guards to be able to have that same poise when they're attacking the rim and have to come inside the paint and and come to a two-foot jump stop and now get into an up-and-under or a step-through or a spin move and still fight for that same efficient, movement patterns that we taught them in stationary ball handling Mm -hmm. so it's a build-up effect and it always starts with the foundation the feet and we work our way up from there Mm -hmm. uh what are you guys uh you know what are you working with when it comes to uh like right now a lot of our coaches obviously we're getting ready to to get into our summer programs and things like that so so how do you set up your summer program and and you know i know every player is different but i'm talking i'm painting with the 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 broad, uh, broad brush here uh coach you know what are you uh what are you doing what's your program to uh, help your players in the sense of uh, this is the way we're, or this, this, these are some of the things we're working on when it comes to our shooting. You know, you talked about balance and keeping the eyes on the rim and that type of stuff. Uh, when you're really breaking it down and you start to get into that drill work and some of the things that you guys like to do with, with your drill work and that player development, what are two, three, four of your favorite drills that you're doing with your players? Uh, you'd mentioned stationary ball handling and that type of stuff to get warmed up. What are some other things that you do specifically when it comes to the drill work? of things to to help with your player development okay so if we're if we're speaking of a of a guard play um guard and post they'll start off with the ball handling but specifically the guards um we we work on um their comfortability with the ball then we then that graduates to us doing close range shooting we start in and work ourselves out um probably one of the secrets to our success in terms of uh, players getting better with their ball handling and control and even their shooting and the mechanics of it is the KB big ball. Okay. Uh, the, KB, the KB big ball is an oversized ball, still weighs the same amount, but the, cir- the circumference is a lot larger than our normal ball. Um, this, that's a trick I kind of picked up from Kobe Bryant. Uh, watching him, he had a million of those balls. Um, um, I even traveled with it. Um, throughout my playing career, I always made sure I had a big ball with me wherever I was in Europe and within the WNBA. And um, the ball forces you to spread your fingers and and you have to almost shoot it perfect uh-huh. in order for that ball to go in that basket because it's a lot bigger. So it's, it's less room for error. 
So it makes you spread your fingers, makes you finish high, makes um, you have to have your feet up under you, elbow in uh, with the good release at the top. So we go, we start in with the big ball, with ball handling with the big ball, then ball handling with the small ball. Ball. Um, then we go close range shooting. Um, we may go five or seven spots around the charge circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, first spot off the glass. Next, um, I mean, first spot straight in. Next spot off the glass, and you work your way around the charge circle area uh, around the basket. And we probably make five to ten shots. Um, and then from there, uh, we'll just keep taking a step or two back and we'll do that same sequence until we get all the way out to the three point line. Mm-hmm. And once we get out to the three point line, then we'll start adding our one dribble um, pull up. And this is all with the big ball. So you might work a whole hour with the big ball um, before you even touch the, the regular ball making sure that all these things are perfected and, and we have the comfortability, you, you got the good lather going, and players can get good reps in and see the ball go through at a high rate of efficiency. So after building from that type of stationary shooting, we go into the movement patterns, and we'll do it with the big ball, probably about five reps for each of those uh, series of things, that shots that we shot, and then we move from there to the small ball, the regular ball. At this point, it's going to feel like an egg in your hand. And now and now, what we're telling the players is don't adjust anything. I don't care if you shoot it over the rim. I don't care if it's an air ball. You just shoot your normal shot and trust your mechanics and uh, keep your eyes focused on where it should be focused. Everything else will take care of itself. Now we're working on the muscle memory of things, and they're getting comfortable with trusting themselves and allowing the me- the mechanics to just take over because they've done the reps. It's almost second nature at this point. So everything we did with the KD big ball, we're going to do with the regular ball now. And now the players are seeing that ball go through the go through the net, barely t- touching the rim at this point. Confidence is getting high. Now it's another level of teaching. Okay, things are going good when it's going good like this in the game. Are you going to get beside yourself and now you're talking trash to the rest, to the crowd, to the opponents? No, stay locked in, stay centered so that you can continue to find success and stay in this zone. Uh, So we continue to work on all of those aspects. Then we get into combination moves. Are we doing this off off of a closeout? We get into the swing-swing pattern, and now they got to get into the jab series or the swing-swing into the shot or the swing-swing into the um, read the closeout. So we're building into the elements of the game that lead into competition. Mm Mm-hmm. Things that they will get in five-on-five uh, um, situations in the half court uh, where the defense uh, defenses are in full rotation and they're reading closeouts. Then we work on the aspects of them getting open. Uh-huh. So V-cut, L-cut, uh, fight to get the ball, um, square up, get into your moves, reading what the – taking what the defense gives you. She backs off, raise up for the shot. She's crowding you. You got to get low because low man always wins. Get low, have that same foundational structure, um, mechanical structure we give we gave you in the ball handling. That athletic stance, we need that now when you're in your triple threat going into your your sigma moves on the perimeter when you catch the ball. Um, learn how to create space. Learn how to still have your eyes up and not just concentrating on beating your man, but. Once you beat your man, now it's important for you to learn how to read. Mm-hmm. Where's the help? 
from? Is the shot the pull-up jumper? Is the shot two pull-up jumper? Is it for me to drive, draw, and kick? Um, we start building on those building blocks. And then from there, we, we go into a one-on-one type situation um, where they have to score a certain amount of points in each, like three spots, wing, top, wing. And um, then from then from there, we may build into a two-on-two. So now they're understanding how to work together with someone. Um, then we'll um, give them a break and we'll go into some type of pattern where we're reading on-ball screen um, scoring opportunities because we love to run a lot of pick-and-rolls, pick-and-pop situations. Mm-hmm. So the mechanics for that, coming off the screen, understanding how to drag the big, coming off the screen, understanding how to attack low, because uh, um, Lindsay Whalen, yep. Hall of Fame, um, being her teammate, I used to work out with her all the time when we were overseas. And I said, Lindsay, teach me some of the tricks of the trade. How do you always get open? And she was like, well, D, if I drop my shoulder and I get my shoulder by him, they're beat. And sure enough, it works like a charm. She gets that shoulder low enough, kind of like when they're doing hockey, mm-hmm. you get that shoulder low and you can really um, – uh, pummel through somebody, bust through contact, and beat your man, um, she, she wins. So low man wins every single time. So we teach our players that, to drop that shoulder, which makes you drop your hips, and now you can um, get through the uh, defender, come shoulder to shoulder with your teammate, get through and into the body of the defender, and manipulate the situation. Um, and then after all of that shooting, and pick and roll situations will finish up with some something competitive, a fun game, or um, a lot of free throw shooting. Mm-hmm. If it's for my bigs, kind of the same thing. We we work out, we work ourselves inside to outside, but then we'll come back and get on our post work and work with our back to the basket move, our sigma moves, um, and all focusing on footwork and balance and eyes the same way we do with our guards. Bigs need to have limited dribbles when they're in the paint because there's a lot of hands, there's a lot of feet, and for some reason refs don't know how to call post play. (laughs) It is like someone's being mugged inside the paint. Uh, So we have to uh, teach them how to be efficient with those things. Mm -hmm. If you're dribbling and looking down, that tells me that you didn't read the situation properly and you're thinking while you're dribbling as opposed to on the catch, you should be able to activate your senses and know I don't have to see the defender in order to know what a defender is. So if I, if she, my teammate who's a good guard, if she's throwing it to my open hand, that means she's throwing it away from where the defender is. So now it's just a matter of me using my senses, go catch the ball with two and spin away. Mm-hmm from my defender and keep it that basic. Sometimes the post players get angry because they want to dribble. They want to do the fancy spin moves. And I'm like, it looks nice, but you traveling every time. How about you learn proper technique, focus on this foundation and let's keep it simple. And you can score more with simplicity than you can with complex movements. Uh Coaches, you know just as well as I do that we're always looking for new and different ways to motivate our players and programs. But sometimes it's hard to find that perfect source that we're looking for. Over the past 25 years, I've collected hundreds of handouts to help motivate my players and programs. And now I'd like to share some of my favorites with you. The A Pen and a Napkin 101 Best Handouts Booklet is now available to you for only $15. 
In this booklet, you'll find motivational material for all types of situations and individuals to help you communicate your values to your players and program. For ordering information, you can either DM me on Twitter or email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for details. Delisha, you, you set a record here on a pen and a napkin. This is my 173rd Avenue, uh, interview, and that is the first time anyone has brought up hockey. So <laughs> co- compliments to, to you. Uh, I, I feel like I, I, I don't know if I should call you for icing or, or something like that, but uh, uh, that, that, that was a first. That was the first time that we've compared. We, we've compared basketball to a lot of things on here, but I'm, I, I, and, and, and folks, if you want to aggregate it and go through the other 172 episodes and see if somebody else has mentioned hockey, go ahead. But that's, I'm pretty sure that's the first time that's happened. But, no, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying with the shoulder and the rip through and that type of stuff. So, it is. Uh, yes. Um, yes. It, it really, you know, at the end of the day, maybe – uh, well, I've never had bad reviews, but if someone was to come and watch our practices, I think when they, they see us work, it, how I'm explaining it probably sounds very elementary and basic. No. But it, there is a, a beautiful rhyme and reason to mm-hmm. it. And um, you can see results faster when you do take it to that level and build up. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's 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 very logical what you're describing. We're 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 not going to start at at point F and then jump to point L and then go to point R. We're, we're going to go A to B, B to C, C to D, and we're just going to let one thing build on the next. And there's a logical progression to it. So, Coach, you're you're making uh, you're making perfect sense to me uh, with with everything that you're explaining there. So, I mean, it's 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 a really really good stuff. So, um, least you got time for one more thing? I do. Okay, uh, let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about you know building your culture. And again, you've uh, it's one of the things that you said you'd be willing to talk about here tonight. So I wanted to pick your brain on this a little bit. And of course, you know, culture is is the buzzword, and everybody talks about it. And you know, in in my own program, you know, the the first thing we say is we're going to have a great culture. We're going to build a really really positive culture. Without that, you, you don't have anything. And uh, it, it, you know, but I'm I'm always curious, and I know our coaches are curious. Uh, to to hear from other coaches about some of the things that they do to build their cultures, like uh, and you brought it up a little bit earlier about having your players fall in love with the game again after maybe they've fallen out of love with it, and and obviously you're doing some really really good things with building culture uh, be, because of the jumps that you made from year one to year two and both of your stops as a head coach. So you're doing something right when it comes to that because you're, you're probably, even in a college situation, a lot of those players that weren't as successful are now playing uh, better for you, and a lot of that has to do with the mental game and the confidence and the togetherness and all of those things that brings culture together. So so tell us a little bit about your cultural philosophy and and what you – uh, what you've done to to build up your programs in that way? Um, so <laughs> I am not cookie cutter in any regards uh, to being a coach. I like to beat to I like to dance to the beat of my own drum. Um, and the reason why I do that is because um, just because you do it one way may not mean it will work for my group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, the same way that I told you, I'm very analytical and I love to assess things and evaluate. Um, I know my players probably better than they know themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So that helps with the culture. Being able to understand who you're working with 
and how to manipulate for the good. Um, everything that we do starts off off of pure respect. It's a no judgment zone. We are all in this phase of our lives, different ages, coming from different backgrounds. We have to show grace to one another as we all try to make sense of things and figure out who we are. Uh, so we, we have respect, we have grace, and um, and I try to tie in the sense of a sorority or a fraternity where you are your sister's keeper. So now it brings in a level of accountability and care attached to everything that we do. Um, yeah, we do a lot of group projects and try to go eat together, cook together, make TikToks together, you name it. We do all those fun things. But the thing that really builds culture is who are you in those tough moments, in the adverse situations? Some coaches want their players to be seen and not heard, and they lose valuable opportunity to win your team over and bring them closer through conflict, controversy, and um, adversity. Some people want to just, you know, move past it. Oh, I don't want to deal with it. Everybody just, everybody just hush and, and, and focus or be quiet. No, mm-hmm. I give my players a voice. Sometimes it bites me in the butt, but <laughs> <laughs> eight times out of ten, um, it has us in a position where we've had some, some hard-hitting moments early on in the summer where – Two players might be bickering back and forth over something, and I'll just stand there, and they they just keep going, and then the, the teammates will be like, "Y'all just need to shut up, let's go." And I say, "Oh no, that's not what we do here. Talk it out and fix it." Mm-hmm. And so and so I force them into hard hitting conversation where hear her out, now hear her out, now how do we compromise? It's not about who's right and who's wrong. How do you fix it? Is it serving us? Good. Keep it and move on. Mm -hmm. If it's not, drop it and let's go. Uh, So we get through those phases rather early, and that brings us together probably quicker than baking cookies. Well, using using confrontation in a positive way rather than a negative way and running away from it or trying to bury it, you're saying, hey, we're going to face it straight up. We're going to figure it out. We're going to we're going to figure this out as adults and then we're moving on is, is kind of what I'm hearing. Is, is that basically what you're saying, Delisha? That is it in yeah. a nutshell. Yeah. That is it. When the players are on the bat on the court, the battlefield, the coaches aren't out there. The only way we can manipulate it is through a timeout, mm-hmm. but I hold timeouts to be very precious. Mm-hmm. So I don't use them. Michael Cooper, the Laker great probably taught me that lesson where we might be down 15 points at the beginning of the game. And he said, I'm not calling the timeout. You got yourself in that mess. You're going to get yourself out of it. So mm-hmm. we learned how to figure it out and put our egos to the side and resolve things even through conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and and we turn a 15-point deficit into a, a 10-point uh, we, we, we have a 10-point lead now. Mm-hmm. So I've seen, I've witnessed those amazing things occur through my experiences, and that's how I I find that value in it for my players. Um, now I don't have to burn unnecessary timeouts because I can see them talking it out in play rather than waiting for the war to break or waiting for me to stop it. No, keep playing and figure it out, and then they do. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Great way to end tonight. 
just just so many good things. At least I, my, my hands cramping up here, and 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 I've been really lucky to 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 do this, like I said, for a while, and and I'm so lucky to to just be able to learn myself. And I've got so many things written down here, and and it's just been it's just been terrific talking to you uh, tonight about the game and your philosophy and your experiences. And and I'm uh, like I said, we we danced around each other for about two months here trying to to narrow it down tonight. But for for me, uh, the the wait was well worth it, and I hope you really enjoyed your time here on a pen and a napkin. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. This was fun. And um sorry if I was long-winded in any way. No, <laughs> no, you were great. You were great. I love basketball. Yeah. Um if if folks want to know more about you or about uh the old Dominion program, uh what are some ways that they can can check you guys out and and find out more about uh you taking uh uh taking the program back to the to the heights that it is previously seen? Uh, you know, they can always um, hit me up on social media. I'm active on Instagram and definitely Twitter. Uh, you can at me, you can DM me, and you can do the same for our um, women's basketball, um, you know, sites on social media as well. They'll make sure that I get that information and um, answer whatever questions that anyone um, may have. Terrific, terrific. I will get that all tagged on this when when I drop it, and um, yeah, we'll get we'll get it all taken care of. So, uh, Coach, thanks so much for your time. If you could hold the line here for a second while I wrap everything up, uh, we'll, we'll I'll get everything wrapped up here. So, uh, uh, Delisha Milton Jones, uh, head women's basketball coach at Old Dominion University, uh, just terrific conversation. So much good stuff that she brought to the table here tonight. Uh, I hope you folks really enjoyed it because I know I did. And and uh, I'm going to, based on what Coach said here tonight, I'm going to go out in my backyard and work on my slap shot, uh, get that hockey <laughs> back in there in there as well. So uh, I'll just give you a hard time. So, uh, I, I, again, I can't thank uh, Coach Milton Jones enough for her time tonight. I know how busy she is. Uh, we want to thank our founding sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, uh, for all that they've done for the podcast. Again, follow us on Twitter, at a pen and a napkin. Try to put out day, daily coaching tidbits bits on the twitter handle if you're listening you're uh, obviously you're on itunes download rate review give us five stars uh and get the momentum out and and again if when coaches want to learn about coaching basketball the higher we go in the rankings the easier it is for them to find this podcast so and of course if you have any questions comments suggestions or ideas email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com for delicia milton jones uh again thank you so much for her time tonight i hope you folks have enjoyed it because i sure have Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.